1: I'm Jackie the First. I am. I am Jackie the First. I am Jackie Zabrowski here to tell you about the Page Seven and Wizard and the Bruiser live show in January. It's gonna be a hoot of a time. We're gonna be partying down in Chicago, Pontiac, Michigan, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Hello! You can get your tickets at lastpodcastnetwork.com/p7live. I think you might like it.
2: Bell noise, bell noise, bell noise, bell noise. It's the holidays. And can you say holidays without Scrooge? Why are Yuck. you just singing?
1: Give me a bell, baby. Oh, no, little love in your heart. That's what we're talking about today. Guys, we are talking about apparently the cult version of A Christmas Carol, the movie Scrooged, starring Bill Murray. I don't understand, in doing all of this research, how many people were like, the unsung hero of the Christmas West. The th- as if the movie has never been heard of. It is my favorite Christmas movie outside of A Christmas Carol. So yeah,
2: this was my curiosity, because you were like, first, Jackie was like, by the way, that's Jackie. I'm holding Natalie.
1: Oh, Hi. hi. And, uh, <laughs> welcome <laughs> like, welcome to our holiday edition of Pop History. <laughs> we are doing the history of the movie Scrooge. And
2: when you first brought this up, I was like, oh, okay. And I remember it because you like it so much, so I was like, that's kind of a weird one. Because like I've always seen Scrooge the, the way that I think people have talked about it, where it's like, it's this really uneven, what? bizarre, <gasps> dark Christmas tale. I mean, oh, I, just, I mean, it's great, but it's oh, chaos. Dare you. I it's, mean, it's I'm dark. right. Look at the making of it. They were contentious the entire time. I Here. mean, I, it's think that I think out of your mind.
1: Frank Cross's promo for a Christmas Carol says everything acid rain, drug addiction, <laughs> international terrorism, freeway killers. Now more than ever, it's important to remember the true meaning of Christmas. Your life might just depend on it. Yes. That's awesome. That's it's great. It, I think that Scrooged is the rock and roll Christmas movie, and
0: I thought everyone watched it ten times every year. I did too. I've right? I, since I was a child, we have in my and home.
2: I'm going to say I like the movie. I appreciate it. Oh my God. I just it's just, Old you know. Man. Sounds
0: like you don't like the in movie. In terms of staples. It sounds
2: like you don't appreciate the movie in terms of Christmas staples. It is a select audience Christmas staple.
1: I I just I honestly I, didn't know this and I'm not even yeah. being
2: o- over dramatic. Oh, I didn't know that.
1: Star
0: cast.
2: All-star cast. All cast.
0: It's dark. What's not it's, to love about it? It is
1: definitely, it is definitely lopsided. It's not, it's you know.
0: It's weird. I will talk about a some weird, of the weird I mean, moments you are shattering my life. I'm like seeing shards of glass falling in front of my eyes I And mean, you're you saying know, these things. Natalie, you know how we feel. In our
1: house, we watch it after Thanksgiving dinner, yes. which we've already watched Scrooge once we this have. year as a house of Zabloski. Right. And we are going to watch it at least two or three more times. I sure. hope so.
2: Yeah. Well okay let's talk about it. I think we need I think this is connected though in a way to a nostalgia. So what was your personal situation with Scrooge as a child? As well, a child. I
0: think for me just because of being so obsessed with Ghostbusters as a kid just uh-huh. having Bill Murray in that role made me interest. and it was also ghost like. Yes. So that oh, was Oh it's
2: super well I mean I was going to say as a, for me as a kid uh, I really like. It was that movie that I could only watch like part of because once we got to death, I was out. I was like, so scared. Oh, it, was scary. The ghost, yeah. it was terrifying. Scary. future
1: is is genuinely. Scary, but yeah. I remember as a kid we were also a a, a they, we were children that were also obsessed with The Princess Bride. So having Carol yeah. Kane in it, would yeah. made me so yeah. excited so as a kid, and I thought that it was so funny. But also, Henry and I grew up watching scary movies all the time. We had never seen A Wizard of Oz until we were adults, mm-hmm. but we had seen it five times. You know what I mean? So I think that maybe that's really what it was that we were more in tune to scary things, and I liked that I couldn't sleep afterwards it's not
2: just that it's scary but it's also like incredibly like nihilistic and very like and it makes sense because written by michael o'donohue and we'll get into that he was one of the early like bad boy writers of snl he was
1: the first head writer the first head
2: writer of snl but he was also a like crazy in the best way he was uh, you know, one of my favorite stories of his was uh, when he he got really pissed with uh, the cast and crew at one point, like a few years. And I think it's when Dick Ebersole took over for Lauren Michaels for like a very short time to keep the show alive. And he literally was like, this is what the show lacks. And he just spray painted the word danger on the wall. Jesus and like, he was like, and he was <laughs> really a he, much. He wrote all of the really like all anything that you saw in those early years that was like, that's fucked up. That was probably Michael O'Donohue. And so, of course, this makes so much sense that this would be like the brainchild of him because this whole movie, when it's not, you know, there's elements of horror, there's also just heavy physical abuse. There's this, bizarre, it's just an absolute meltdown. There's a fucking uh, guy, a madman storming an office. With, you can barely see them nipples.
0: You can barely see the
2: nipples. He's I really <laughs> looking. It's something I still
0: say
1: five times <laughs> a month at least. Hey, you can barely see them nipples. And he's really looking. I think it's also another thing that it is a quotable movie that my family quotes
2: all year long right
0: my family only talks about nipples because of that movie I,
2: i'm I'm sorry but it's like the whole movie is a, a like a dirty old man joke in a I lot guess of ways
0: I'm not, I, what you guys are revealing to me is that I have been a dark disturbed child sure since yes. I was little tiny baby Natalie I mean to be yes. fair you... I have no Like my context For what is supposed To be appropriate Is just so askew At yeah. this point
2: I don't even know I mean to be fair Natalie You in this room right now Look like uh, a member Of the Adams family
0: And I didn't even know See Right like, I, just, so, uh, yeah. I just think I'm wearing A normal outfit <laughs> 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 I, just, I look like I'm from A Marilyn Manson but you video look like I think on, you're beautiful Schmigelda
2: Sh- you. whatever You know what I mean Come in town She can take her head off At will You know that kind Sh-Miguelda. of thing Schmigelda <laughs> Jesus <Jeez.
0: laughs> Hold it! What? what? What's
1: wrong with She Schmigelda? doesn't
2: look like a Schmigelda,
0: okay? <laughs> it does sound like Schmegma like a little bit. Yeah, it <laughs> does. Not ah,
2: Schmegma. It's Christmas. Um, she's made out of goo. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> I but I always like Scrooge. I'm not sitting here. I'm just saying that I wasn't shocked I swear by the. I fall, swear. Uh, I, I, was, I wasn't shocked by the contentious relationship of the director and our lead actor throughout the filming, and I was not shocked by the fact that it was like critically panned at first it did well I was
1: shocked but it did at well everything opening weekend. that I read about the cult status and how much no one likes this what movie. no it people do like this movie now over they love t- it yeah it took a little time now they love it because but I hate that it's like the cult pony of the of the movie
0: forest I don't like, understand like the cult, cult thing just
2: because it was also that one of those movies that was like always on HBO it like has every has holiday everybody season Abundantly it
0: everybody mainstream there's nothing cult about it it's no. had a huge budget like one of the Biggest stars in the world is the lead actor in it, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but but this also was his comeback to acting that it was
1: see which we will get into. It is just I I don't know I still think it still creeps me out. In fact, I even said this right after when we were watching it this year. I always it's the reason why I don't eat turkey legs at Thanksgiving anymore is because (laughs) when Frank Cross is being held out of the window by the ghosts of Christmas past and he's gripping at his arm, and as he's about to fall to his death, it makes me think of a turkey leg The it's way so, that the skin Falls away from great. the bone It looks like a turkey
0: Oddly it makes Henry More hungry You uh, know <laughs> And that's where We differ as siblings Yeah there's just some, For the best. There's
2: some terrifying Special effects stuff Going on Which is So good I Such call good it special effects You know what I, I refer to it in my head now As jump behind the couch moments Because when Large Marge Hit the screen In Pee Wee's Big Adventure My move was to Literally leap Behind the couch that And also hide also used to
0: Scare the shit right? out Of so, so. Oh, yeah,
2: And Scrooge has A few jump behind the couch Moments for a kid Where you're just like Nope no 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 I'm out like and uh, but man watching it now with an appreciation of makeup and special effects I'm like man there's some good stuff in there uh, so I believe good.
1: didn't it I will say it did win an Oscar for makeup right yeah it was nominated it a lot nominated to yeah.
2: Beetlejuice which that's makes right sense. okay, okay. So it makes sense. All right. <laughs> and
1: the fact that those two came out the same, same year, year I'm actually yeah. surprised that it didn't get more critical acclaim when it came out because people were begging for creepy it's mainstream a movies
2: and for tongue and Cheek satire about yeah. rich people and stuff. That's very much Beetlejuice No, know as well. it's
0: like so many like socio political statements in that movie that are so f- fun and poignant oh, for yeah. that time and this time.
1: Now, a good little description of Scrooge, if you guys have not seen it, is an updated version of A Christmas Carol, where M. Ebenezer Scrooge is now Frank Cross, a workaholic, ill-tempered television executive, who, in a clever meta-touch, is overseeing a production of A Christmas Carol. He makes life difficult for his quietly suffering secretary, Grace, played by Alfre Woodard, who, my God, she I was completely it. in love with her growing oh, up. Oh, yeah, I was just like, I, I wanted to... I wanted her to be my mom yeah. growing up. Even though I'm glad that my father was not killed in front of me and thus making me mute. Right. Frank doesn't have time to spend <laughs> Frank doesn't have time to spend with his younger brother, who's played by his actual younger brother, and a chance to reconnect with an old girlfriend, Claire, played by Karen Allen, yeah. who also growing up, because I still have never seen an Indiana Jones. Wow. Didn't wow. realize she was from Indiana
2: Jones. I won't give you shit for that. I hate that now. I can't believe you haven't seen I'm it. I'm gonna see Indiana Jones. You will. You will want sex with her if you see her in Raiders of oh, the Lost. really you will want, She's a yeah. fox, and, and she's mean. just like a hard drinking badass too. Ooh, that yeah, well, that will, is the
1: opposite of what she plays in this movie. Yes, yes. Um, who because her life is ruined when he when Frank Cross blittles her job at a homeless shelter. A late night visit from his long dead mentor Lou, played by John Forsyth sets off a frantic day of ghostly encounters for frank as he struggles to keep his show from being taken over by an officious co-worker which is also i i also forget now that you can't you wouldn't make a movie where bobcat goldwith in a joking manner comes in after being fired on christmas eve with a shotgun with an intent to kill everyone on the set well yeah
0: that was back in in the time when mass shootings were more of a uh you know, quaint and yet, cute idea. It was still not the in same every year. year.
1: It was 1988 when the term "going postal" became yeah. like that was when everyone started because when post office worker when it came in and shot up a bunch of people and so it and yet still it actually wasn't okay.
2: No,
0: of then. course not. No, absolutely not. I'm not um, saying you were
2: saying it was okay, but you know what I mean. Like it, I feel like it was like it was like kind of okay, right?
0: Mass shootings have sort of become like uh, like a. <laughs> A culture of yeah. sorts, which is horrifying. Back then it was but just wait.
2: a fun novelty. Yes.
0: Uh, sadly, yes. <laughs> Holden, uh, did you ever have the computer game postal? Yes. I uh, did as well. Yeah, actually
2: I actually have it now. A fan sent me a copy okay. of it for on, on my PC.
0: There was, there was a, a like a old shooter game where you were a post office that was worker. back when
2: everybody yeah. was every game was like edgy and whatever yeah you're like had little cut you know taglines like oh but like, I did bullets. own like, that
0: I'm, in our we had it in our house as you know like an a 11
2: year old thing. and I didn't think anything about exactly. it exactly this goes back to our whole situation we were not of understand. a different yeah time. it was of a different time well, speaking of being in a, of a different Ooh, time. good segue. Why don't we take a little trip back into time all the way to the year 1843. Ooh, when that's
1: my favorite year. Charles
2: Dickens. Charles Dickens, my lad. <laughs> wrote a novella called A Christmas Carol in prose being a ghost story of Christmas, which is actually the full title of A Christmas Carol. Uh, so Charles Dickens, his childhood was pretty idyllic, actually, up until the family suffered a lot of debt and his father had to go to debt prison and he was forced thank god they
0: don't have that now i yeah,
2: know right no. i saw that phrase and i was like what Uh-oh. yikes and, i think
1: my life is debtor's prison yeah all right
2: and so charles dickens was forced at the age of 12 to pay his own way in life by working at shoe a shoe polish warehouse and he had to deal with all these tough working conditions and it had a, it had a major impact on his writing he was always writing about the poor of course you've got like oliver twist things like that um Uh, and, uh, he also had this incredible ability to remember people, places, and events, like, incredibly well, very vividly, and this would aid his writing later in life, so, uh, after he gets success with Oliver Twist and things like that, he ends up setting out to write a few Christmas stories,
1: So actually, when he wrote A Christmas Carol, he was 31, he was a father of four, his wife Catherine was pregnant with the couple's fifth child while he was writing it, and he was himself up to his eyeballs in debt, and everything rested on A Christmas Carol. He needed this book to be great. He ended up paying for the entire creation of the book with his own money, which is insane, especially at the time when he had nothing, he could barely feed his own children, and he's like, well, I'm just gonna... Put all my
0: fucking eggs into this basket. I bet his wife was super psyched about that. Oh, I bet she was wet for it.
2: Get a job. (laughs) The book, or the story rather, was based on a trip to Manchester and the conditions of the manufacturing workers there. He set out to, quote, strike a sledgehammer blow for the poor that uh, while writing the book, he wept and laughed and wept again oh Ooh. that
1: is a lot it's like just keep writing <laughs> you know at this point just oh my god uh, but apparently a christmas carol arrived right at the time when britain was beginning to experience a mid-victorian revival of the festive season uh-huh. and the book went one further it helped popularize the term merry christmas and it also gave us bah
2: humbug Mm. And now let's jitterbug all the way to the Ugh, 1930s yuck. When a man named Richard Donner was being born in the Bronx Wow, this is actually almost like a Christmas Because we're going to the past Yeah, that, you're just like, I'm just like Gonzo Gonzo in the mid mu- in the movie, that's, a dumb, that's a, the other one. That's my other favorite Christmas yeah. movie. And they're both. I love how they're both based on a Christmas Carol right. Two favorite Christmas story, um, films. Mine's
0: Christmas Vacation.
2: Mine yeah. is probably also Christmas Vacation. Oh my god! Yeah. Well, maybe next year we'll do that. But wow. I won this year. <laughs> <laughs> so Richard Donner, born in the Bronx as I said, 1930s, started out as an actor, getting a bit part on a TV show directed by Martin Ritt, who did films such as The Great White Hope and Nuts, starring Barbara Streisand. That's
1: nuts!
2: Uh, I don't know that one. Do you know? You're not a big Barbara Streisand. Person. I'm into a bat.
1: I'm more of like Mirror Has Two Faces version of Barbara Streisand. Yeah. Wait, is Nuts? A,
2: that's not a Christmas movie. Nuts. No. Just I just wanted to. I just love the fact that Barbara Streisand was in a movie called Nuts. Also, did we? So I just write. That, sometimes I just write down the facts that I just think are dumb and funny sounding. That Richard Donner directed um, Scrooge, which yes, is why we're talking Richard about Donner it. is yes. the director of Scrooge. Well, because he his performance was in such a way on that TV show that Martin Ritt convinces him to get into directing and hires him as his assistant. Donner's own directing work started out in commercials and then TV dramas in the late fifties, such as Wanted Dead or Alive, starring Steve McQueen. He directed over 25 TV series including episodes of Tales from the Crypt and The Twilight Zone which makes a lot of sense because Scrooge really does feel like a, a Twilight Zone or even a Tales from the Crypt oh, yeah. episode. He actually, oh I forgot about this fucking awesome fact. He directed the William Shatner helmed Nightmare 20,000 Feet episode That's of The Twilight Zone. something on yeah. the wind. And yeah. didn't he
0: also direct The Goonies?
2: Uh, yes, he totally did. I mean, this is yeah. He's got like a, a ludicrously pro- super prolific career. He
1: did
0: Superman. He
2: did, he did the Superman Omen? the movie. He did yeah. the Toy. He did Lady. I Hawk. love He the did Lethal toy. Weapon. Oh yeah, but he didn't get his first big break until uh, the Omen. That was his first mm. big one in 1976 starring Gregory Peck. This was a supernatural horror that capitalized on the whole, you know, success of The Exorcist around that time. I didn't
1: realize that that is who directed Scrooge. I yeah. had no idea. Giantly
2: prolific. Insane. But it makes sense because mm-hmm. I don't think an up and coming director could get a, get away with a movie with starring this cast with that big of a budget. That right. is this weird yeah, of a movie. Like- yes, and to
0: be able to capture the tone correctly and stuff, because it w- it could have easily slid into complete chaos.
1: Which, and I will yeah. say, I think it is surprising, because the reason why he did attach himself to this project is because Bill Murray was attached to it as well. And he had said, I jumped on the bandwagon when they said it was Bill. It was a wonderful screenplay, and on top of it to have Bill Murray and the opportunity to work with Bill, which is funny because later on... um. They really fucking hate yeah, each other. Yeah, they really didn't like working together.
2: Mm. But uh, so, uh, speaking of which, Bill Murray, born and raised in Illinois, just outside of Chicago, he spent his teen years working as a golf caddy to pay for schooling, and he played in a rock band called the Dutch Masters while also performing in high school and community theater. It's his older brother Brian, and Brian does Brian appear in this film? They all, of all his of brothers, them, do. all of them, well, right? No,
1: he does have. I think he's got. He's one of eight.
2: Yeah. Oh, so he, he has is. Other ones, yeah. Well, he
0: has at least what three brothers that show up?
1: in There his? are three different brothers in it. Which is yeah. Nuts
2: So, Nuts with Barbara Streisand <laughs> uh, We gotta do an episode on Nuts <laughs> I, don't <laughs> do. <laughs> I don't know we do I don't know It is his older brother Brian that invites him to come and perform At the Second City in an improv comedy troupe uh, Under the tutelage Of the legendary teacher Del Close Which I was also from SCTV Which I loved yes. to watch I was always
1: more of an SCTV uh, We watched a lot of those tapes SCTV is up. amazing
2: And everyone should watch SCTV if you like, especially if you like sketch comedy. He performed as a featured player on the National Lampoon Radio Hour before getting cast on Saturday Night Live. Uh, And has, of course, the career he has on SNL. After that, he gets into movies. His first film is Meatballs, the horny summer comedy, followed by several uh, box office hits, such as, of course, Caddyshack, Stripes. And his first dramatic film comes after all of that. um, And he co-writes this movie. It's probably, I think it was him really trying to get to the career he got to later in life with The Razor's Edge. Have you guys seen I The I have Razor's never,
1: I've I never haven't. even heard of The really Razor's Edge. really
2: want to edge. see this movie now. And
1: apparently The Razor's Edge flopped. Yeah. It's, and it, yeah. I, I mean, it doesn't make me, I still want to watch it though. Yeah, me too. Which is why he ended up having
2: a four year hiatus well, afterwards. this is the thing. That same year, Ghostbusters comes out.
0: Right. Uh, the same year as Razor's Edge. Yes. Yeah.
2: So, okay. and this is the whole thing about it, is he feels, as he put it, radioactive. He's like, in the biggest summer blockbuster, like, kind of ever but whatever i don't know numbers wise but it's amazing and then also has this giant bomb and i think he's just like i don't know how to have a career right now because i'm so confused by how all this band out i'm gonna take a break and retires from acting studying philosophy at a college in paris uh although he does what? make a tiny yeah although he does yeah, make he a, studied
1: philosophy and history at sorbonne university in paris yeah
0: and, and well, it's also as part a of this. That this is, is not the thing I envisioned Bill Murray
2: doing. <laughs> well, I mean, think about hiatus. him now, though. You know, I mean, well, I could kind of see him doing it now. Really, I, this was this uh, big he, transition. He just drinks all the time now, doesn't he? No, he's all fancy too, though. In those Wes Anderson movies, he's like both. He's like the party guy. And then he's also like the art museum guy. Totally,
1: yeah. This was also the time period when I think that he was dallying with being a family man, because he moved from Hollywood to Paris with his wife and his children, and um, he was also taking care of his mother with that had a long illness, and that was in Paris. Yeah, and he was just hanging out. And he said that he was ready to return to film after two of the years and was actually offered the script of Scrooge two years into his four-year hiatus. Uh, But at the time, he just didn't want the script and didn't like it. He says, I don't think I missed anything. I should show you the scripts I didn't do. It's like the stories police don't tell you about.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So I will say, to be fair, he does do a tiny cameo in Little Shop of Horrors, of course, the guy that Mm -hmm. loves the dentist. And he does make a uh, allusion to that in the film Feed itself. me Seymour. Oh He yeah. says, "Feed me Seymour" near the end, which it just comes out of nowhere That's and right. it is so weird. But I have. But we will definitely
1: get into the whole final monologue. And I
2: mean, that is. A, I want to hear you guys. I mean that whole thing is so weird. Like, yes. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, anyways, he's coming back into the film game, and he just didn't find anything. You know, very great and ends up picking Scrooge to back up, or at least the idea of a comedy take on the classic. Well, he was
1: very into it because Michael O'Donoghue, who was the head writer of SNL at the time, was the one that was working on the script. Mm -hmm. He's like, Well, if you guys are doing this, then I guess also they paid him $6 million to play (laughs) Frank Cross, and it's hard to turn that down. But it is (laughs) interesting because I didn't even think about this, is one of his biggest apprehensions is that he had never been the
0: lead of a movie by himself right. before.
2: It was always like, it was always... Oh yeah, he's
0: always like an ensemble cast right. kind of guy.
2: Even even Stripes was an ensemble situation. Yeah. And I mean, SNL, majorly ensemble, right? So. Oh yeah, and
1: he said, quote, Scrooge was harder than Ghostbusters because I was by myself, mm-hmm. really. Even though there are a number of people in the movie, they only had cameos. They would stroll in for a day or two and split. I was there every day, and it was like flunking grade school again and again.
0: No way, he nailed it.
1: This this whole thing, I was so
0: surprised by all of this stuff. Yeah, but it makes sense. I never thought about that before, but that's probably, yeah, that mm-hmm. must be intimidating at that yeah.
2: point. But he at least also gets to make the demand that he's going to super rework the script with his writers. Let's talk about these writers, Mitch Glazer and Michael O'Donoghue. You've got uh, Mitch Glazer being raised in Miami before eventually ending up at NYU, after which he works for uh, Rolling Stone and a music publication called Crawl Daddy as a reporter. Uh, and that's when he started getting into the, s hanging out with
1: the SNL crew because yep. he had had a cover story that was of John Belushi. So Mitch Glazer became good friends with John Belushi. He started hanging out at Studio 8H and that's where he met Bill. And he said about meeting Bill, there was something intense about him. He could be insanely funny at will, literally for hours at a time. He was just insanely on. It was dazzling actually to be around him. But also he was this big imposing
2: guy. Hmm. O'Donohue started out in the theater Creating his own works Which were generally found to be disturbing By most audiences I Everything in the film that's like Whoa, that's, that's gonna be him, O'Donohue Which
1: I also didn't realize that he was He would occasionally appear on SNL Doing impersonations of people Which I, I was trying to find Clips, but I, I only think, saw. I it. don't know
2: if it was actual SNL episodes. I think it was just something funny he would like do. Do because yeah. he
1: said that he would pretend to be Tony Orlando and what the, he would sound like with needles stuck in his eyes. He had a horrible nod migraines, to the agonizing chronic migraines. Yeah, he had suffered. horrible. migraines.
2: He ends up dying of a brain aneurysm in like his fifties. Damn. Yeah, and oh, would, really? his whole life he suffered in, intense migraines, which I think would add to why he had such a dark, mean sense of humor. So uh, yeah, he he. Uh, starts out writing for humor magazines he's known as one of the co-founders of national lampoon magazine he then moves on to being the first head writer of saturday night live he appears in the show's opening sketch as an english language teacher making john belushi say crazy shit like we are out of badgers would you accept a wolverine in its place and classically refused to write for jim henson's segment saying i won't write for felt which i remember (laughs) All of this stuff from, like, the oral history of SNL, the Life from New York book, like, all of these stories.
1: How dare you also just describe a Muppet like that? Why (laughs) is he
2: so (laughs) mad at Jim He's mad at a lot of things. He's got the constant migraines. He has no joy. He has no joy in his life. Uh, And so with Glazer, O'Donohue and some others write a, like, weird sketch Movie thing called My- Mr. Mike's Mondo Video, which was a series of vignettes originally intended for TV in place of an ep- SNL episode, but NBC yanked it for being too vulgar. So they turned it into like a sketch movie that was heavily panned, but this is what solidifies O'Donohue and Glazer as script buddy writing partners. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. And uh, I want to go back and watch it. I- apparently, it's this incredibly uneven. Kentucky Fried movie type of a movie. Ooh, it's just, all, I want to watch that. All over the place. So um, they get together to rework the script. Bill Murray said, We tore up the script so badly that we had parts all over the lawn. He mainly wanted to strengthen the romantic subplot, which does feel still in the movie. I'm sorry to uh, uh, criticize this movie at all, Natalie. Okay. I apologize to you. Jackie, you're about to be
1: Christmas canceled, Jackie.
2: Apologize, you are yeah.
1: this close to being Christmas canceled, and if, anyway, I know Good. you guys can't I see. I want to be a Hanukkah me. boy. It's not a lot. I want to be a Hanukkah boy. You can't
0: be a Hanukkah boy. You're not allowed to do that either. Oh, convert.
2: <laughs> Go ahead. I'd like to see you try. All right, you're right. I can't learn the language. Be too crazy. Yeah, you're
1: too. St- I'm not. No, you're not
2: dumb. Wow. I was about to call you dumb. Wow. I was about to call you dumb just because I don't. Just because I don't as much it's love. It's very difficult. A yes, I love. only Christmas yes.
0: showdown here. I. By the way. I like the movie.
2: It seems like you don't like the movie. <laughs> I feel like able?
0: it sounds like you're really criticizing
2: <sighs> it. <laughs> well, anyways, I will say the romantic subplot does feel at times kind of tacked on. I, I,
1: I, but I will, I, I will, I will go ahead and agree with you with
2: this <laughs> okay. because. Well, also it, he makes out with that. That is the weirdest part of the movie. Can we just get to it? I know we were, I was gonna wait till we got to the final monologue. But the part where he makes out with a woman, like a hot dancer woman, and it's then just, just goes a long that, kiss, okay, and everyone's sweet. like, yeah, and then he's like, but that's nothing compared to she the woman under I really love. She's like watching the much. whole this is, time. This is
0: really more an example of how women were looked at in yes. the 80s, which is like, she just, she the, a the girlfriend just gets dragged around to whatever <laughs> yeah, he needs her she's for. Just but happy. that's just society. That's not the movie's fault.
2: It's just that it, it is, you nailed it though, Natalie, because I was going to bring that. It, that it, It's this weird, horny, funny boy moment that you see in so many movies during that time period yes. where you're just like, that wouldn't ever ever work in no. a real situation? If you wouldn't just make out with a woman right in front of the person, like, knowing that the- I mean, in the same
1: vein, if someone the, that sounded like they had been just doing a bunch of drugs called me after not talking to me for 10 years, <laughs> after breaking my heart and being like, I have to see you, shows up at my homeless shelter job, and goes, leave and with then, me immediately, and then pisses yeah, me off stop again? stop helping these poor homeless Hell no. People. And then there's when you no say, way. You say,
0: oh, but, could you please just give me but a moment, and then he he goes, no, fine, and then he just leaves. No <laughs>
1: abuse. That's that's. that's uh, abuse. I don't
0: understand why she deals with it.
2: It's abuse. You know what else? Of abuse 80s? goes to Christmas present. Also, a bit of abuse happening. I love it. He deserves um, it. He deserves um,
1: it. Mitch Glazer said, one time we had a ghost of Christmas present who was a huge biker guy with a big white beard. We had realized that Santa Claus always wears biker boots, which is a huge epiphany. In the movie, that's what they had originally wanted.
2: So... Going back to the script, there's always this weird... Carol Kane describes it as a bit like a tennis match or volleyball or something like that when she's referring to the war that's happening between sticking to the script and majorly improvising, like, everything. So Bill Murray is constantly changing things up, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but I do think that um, also Michael O'Donohue is like... They used, like, 40% of my script in the movie, and well, he was and that's, furious yeah. about uh, the, the treatment of the script. And I think that... There, that is what makes this movie feel so bizarre and not in a negative way, but, but, but so it's got a weird vibe to it. I think that's why.
1: Well, and Karen Allen had also said that Bill Murray refused to rehearse. He wanted things to stay very, quote, for the first time, which I get that, but you can't really do that on a movie set or else you lose control, which is why later on, Richard Donner, the director, had said about working with Murray that it was like standing on 42nd Street and Broadway and the lights are out and you're the traffic cop he, because Bill Murray was nervous. He'd do anything to avoid getting in front of the camera. He'd tell stories. One minute he's got his wardrobe on, next he's running around the set without any clothes on. <laughs> So he was just manic through it because he was so. He's a fun boy. He's a fun boy. But also, can you imagine working with that? I'd just be like, I don't know.
2: Yeah. Why, yeah. I wouldn't Dun- want to keep working. Donner said, you don't direct Murray. You pull him back. And at the same time, I'm kind of like, but you really do you pull him back? I, don't I don't think know. the don't. manic
0: energy works for this movie yeah. because it's a very kind of like rock and roll metal yeah. movie. Yes. I agree with that. I don't think it should be completely controlled. I like that a lot of the scenes seem improvised and And,
2: and why and just chaotic because really at that and I believe does help promote how chaotic this man's life has become yes and why this why he needs to be grounded back into the the love of the holiday you know and, oh yeah and all and that good I stuff
1: do, but right. he also it wasn't for a lack it wasn't him being lazy where he didn't want to learn the lines where i feel like you hear this from some people where it's like well they obviously just didn't want to put the work in yeah. he would still learn all of the lines right. and knew where the scene needed to get but thought it was more interesting if things came from a more organic place which it does we'll
2: also put this in time as well he also even said before he went on hiatus I feel like I'm radioactive yeah I think in a lot of ways what you're describing is someone who is is at this at the same time both insanely confident in his abilities and at the same time uh as that super freaked out and worried about the success of the film because he had that bomb I think they're both happening at once like because he made those two movies in the same year he's he's both on all cylinders you know what i right, mean right, unsure right. and totally sure and well, if
0: only he had a ghost of christmas
2: future to understand
0: right. that everybody would remember ghostbusters and nobody would really uh, forget uh, everyone would uh, forget the other one
2: yeah i don't even Razor's actually, like no one talks about I it, it no no, no. I mean, it's, it's not, not something a, that, like kept him from a having a bomb. great you yeah. know career either uh let's talk about this amazing cast i think the one of the best things about this movie is its all star cast it's insane John Forsyth as Lou Hayward the uh is his old partner or boss it's his boss boss right Mm -hmm. the ghost of his old boss his first film gig was in 1943 and Scrooge was one of his last you may actually know him at best as Charlie in the TV series and movies Charlie's Angels which I did not realize Oh,
0: oh yeah I recognize the voice now
2: I love that David Johansson is the ghost of Christmas past. First of all, uh, Jackie, I was reading your notes. And Isn't you, it great? Well, I, so David I know Johnson who,
1: and, as long as so, if you guys don't know, he's Buster Poindexter, who's saying hot,
2: hot, hot. Okay, hot. but he would actually be bah. furious at you for only bringing that up as because his he's I know Sorry, he's buddy. also New York
1: Dolls. He's also, he was like the first
2: punk band, yes. New York Dolls. After that fell apart, he started doing this character, Buster Poindexter, in nightclubs, and he's called Hot, 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 quote the bane of my existence. Of course, because he just was doing. This avant-garde character, nightclub character guy, he ends up with this insane hit out of nowhere, and then he's just haunted by it for the rest of his life. No, you no, so don't be you're the hot, haunted hot, hot, by yeah, oh, give me like a you break. The give you a bunch it. of money. It's Embraces. annoying. It's an annoying song.
1: And uh, yes, it's horrible. It it's a terrible <laughs> song. But it's apparently, awful. David Johansson <laughs> he was a really good friend of Bill Murray's, and he got the role just barely over Sam Kennison, who was Aww. supposed to be it. And Sam Kennison, which would have been great, which would have been great. Sam Kennison was publicly dis. Yeah about losing the role went on Howard Stern and complained about it and it made him even more furious because apparently which I would love to do another pop history just on this I didn't know this but Sam Kennison and Bobcat Goldwaite hated each other yeah, totally. and the fact that Bobcat was in the movie drove him insane
0: well it's it's the two weird voiced men
1: <laughs> and yep. that probably went head
0: to head Screamy forever I'm man. the weird voice yeah I'm the weird voice guy that's me Want, well, I'm the weird voice guy. Exactly. Let's get,
2: exactly. get into Bobcat Goldthwait in just a second but really quick I just want to give a shout out to this movie Let It Ride because da- David Johansson's also in that. I believe also as a cab driver. And uh, Let It Ride's like my one of my other. It's another like Watch It With Your Dad movie. Like I feel like uh, Scrooge does, and it's about it's a horse racing. How dare comedy. you say it's a Watch It With Your Dad? Scrooge is totally a Watch It With Your Dad
1: movie. I watch National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, all y'all's favorite Christmas. I watch that dad. with my dad
2: every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but check out Let It Ride. It's starring Richard Dreyfus. It's got an a crazy good cast. I used to watch it all the time and he's also in that movie and I weirdly got to bring it up in a episode of Wizards of the Bruiser and I forget why now but it keeps coming up lately and it's like a hidden gem ooh okay yeah. let it ride check it out so let's talk about old Bob Cat Goldthwaite as Elliot Loudermilk
0: <laughs> which is so good louder it's Milica. a great name
1: it really and the fact that i have to say in the movie he goes from being fired uh we were talking we we're making jokes about this while watching it this year he goes from being fired and kicked out and then immediately in one day his whole life is over he's just like that it's just like but at the same he looks time like he's been wearing the same clothes for five yeah. five weeks <laughs> he's to a point of having a mental breakdown that usually it takes at least a couple of days to well, get to it's
2: also interesting that he is i forgot how long like i think there's is one of the late at last points that he was doing that character that you see in the movie and it's such an anomaly because he created this character he started doing for stand-up and then he just they just cast him as that character like that's not his natural voice or whatever right no so he's no. just doing this character he made up it's like the character is an actor performing parts in different movies because he's in Police uh, Academy yeah. doing mm-hmm. that character. He's in this now doing that character. So it's almost as if he created a character and that character is an actor in these films and it's so bizarre to yeah, me. Yeah, he
0: actually, he's a he was a, a good friend of KB's. They worked together. Mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. met him multiple times and he's actually very like reserved and quiet. Yes. yes. And very sweet.
2: So he started out as a stand-up comic at the age of 15 alongside Tom Kenny, voice of SpongeBob. And they were doing sketch comedy together, and he developed this high pitched maniac character that he was uh, that was obsessed with Bigfoot originally. And they would go on stage and start screaming about Bigfoot, which is why
1: he probably made that the Bigfoot movie, movie, which is delightful.
2: So he decides to take this uh, character to different comedy clubs and perform as him. And uh, he's doing this, and he gets incredibly successful doing this crazy screaming nutback character. And after a while, he just got sick of doing it Uh, he said I started out making fun of comedy then I became the thing I was making fun of so he had to turn his back on that character in the early 90s it's probably one of the last times it was captured in film and he even speaks about doing he was like one day I just walked out and I just didn't do the thing and it was so terrifying to have yeah. to do that. And people all the time, even still, do the voice, do the voice. And he's just like, no, I'm done. Not don't do that anymore. And now, yeah, now he's the quiet, reserved, phenomenal director. Right. By yeah. the way, yeah. I love his his yeah. directing. He's got
0: such an interesting take on everything. Oh, mm-hmm. World's
2: greatest dad still up there. It is yeah. another I mean,
0: uh, shooting up movie. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 which yeah. is
2: kind of yeah. Uh, so, oh my God, Carol Kane. She's so good.
0: Oh no, wait, red white and blue. wait. What was the what was the one with the, the yeah, shooter? Yeah, uh, it's not
2: World's Greatest Dad. That was that was uh, a uh, Well, don't give it away. I okay. didn't know anything about World's Greatest Dad okay. before I saw it. But no, it's, it's God a, Bless America, God right? Bless God America, I think God. maybe it's called yeah. yeah, is the shooter one, which yeah, yeah. I loved, yeah. by the way. Carol Kane, Ghost of Christmas Present. She made her professional theater debut at just 14 years old. She ends up performing in films like Annie Hall, we mentioned The Princess Bride already. Uh, as well as the iconic role of Simca, the love interest of Andy Kaufman's Latka character on the TV show Taxi. I love
1: Carol Kane so much. And Adam's family values. Yes. Yes. Come on. So
2: good. And uh, Jackie, I believe it is time for you to regale us with a tale of...
1: Well, how was Carol Kane offered the role?
2: (laughs) Richard know.
1: Donner, the director Jackie Goldia <laughs> told Kane, How would you like to be Billy Burke when he called her up on the phone to offer her the role? Now Burke played Glenda, the good witch, in The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I'm a little muddled. That is the direct quote from Glinda the Good Witch which is the first line that Carol Kane comes in with from The Wizard of Oz when she meets Dorothy in Munchkin Land. So mm. that's I didn't realize it like so it is directly correlated oh, to I Glinda didn't the Good that Witch. Either. That's funny. So kane had to be fairly physically abusive
0: towards bill murray on set and it actually affected her mentally that's the only parts i play she was affected by that i do nothing else on camera you no know, it's like both up.
1: daughter and murray said that kane would often break down on the set and spend 20 minutes or so simply crying wow. she was very affected she Guys, didn't I think like that i'm disturbed <laughs> i mean that would we be... i think we all are definitely there for sure And what's fun is that her dance was actually a choreographed dance that was very hard to perfect, and she worked for a very long time in trying to perfect this dance. And she worked with a ballet teacher, and when she walked in and showed it to J. Michael Riva, who's Scrooged art director, and she put her whole heart into it, and immediately... She says quote, and Dick Donner gave me a tremendous amount of support and freedom. And J. Michael Riva, who designed the sets, he was the one that convinced Dick Donner that I shouldn't have a ballet double, that I should do my own ballet dance in the beginning. But then he came to watch me do it in rehearsal and I thought I was doing such a good job, but it was bad. And it made him laugh so hard to see me trying to be so good. He said to Dick, we have to use her. She's doing it, which I thought was great because I thought I was doing pretty good but no it was because I was horrible and they thought it was funny well you
0: know what though I actually she, okay so they do a tiny little ballet dance at the beginning of her and they were and gonna have a
1: ballet double
0: and she's on point I actually would have believed she'd had some ballet training because it's she does a good job it's a very brief thing that she does yeah but it's not what she does doesn't make me laugh. I've seen far worse people pretending to do ballet, for sure. Right.
1: But she was really trying to do a good job, too. I think she
0: did a good job. I love t- I'm I mean- very critical. I will be very mean to people who don't do
1: ballet correctly. <laughs> and also, Carol Kane, which even though she was so, it makes sense of why she was crying so much, when she grabbed Bill Murray's lip, she did it with such force that yeah. she injured him. That
0: did look painful. Yeah. Bill
1: Murray says, there's a piece of skin that connects your lip with your gums, yeah, and f- it was ugh.
0: actually pulled ugh. away. I'm feeling it right now. Yeah, like, I, I can. I I know
1: She said He said about it She really hurt me But it was my idea To be physical And it was her idea To just hit me As opposed to Pulling the punches So um, the entire set Was shut down For four days Oh god
2: Uh, And last but not least Because I uh, There's too many People to name In this movie Karen Allen We have spoke about She made her film debut In 1978 With Animal House And her career Really hit its stride When she played Harrison Ford's Love interest In Raiders of the Lost Ark Uh, This was her return to film as well. She went off to Broadway for a little bit. Alan said, I think both my character and the film are about love. The key to playing Claire for me is not to make her treacly sweet or too much like a goody two-shoes. And that's why I was completely fine with my man, like making out with some chick right before he was like telling me he's like, all well, still she's in love a good with me. A chick.
1: I think she's a little bit of a good addition. Yeah. Yes. Wow. And, yeah. But I will say, among all of the people in the cast, we I did want to bring up Lee Majors and Robert Mitchum. Yes. Which apparently, and now Robert Mitchum played Preston Rhinelander. And Robert Mitchum, who was a, was a old time, old school Hollywood actor from Cape Fear, United of the Hunter, and Lee Majors it was Lee Majors in the very beginning. And both of them were convinced to do the movie because Bill Murray was a part of it. And in fact, Robert Mitchum, Richard Donner actually had Bill Murray come in and have a sit down with Robert Mitchum. And by the time they were done having their conversation, Robert Mitchum was like, all right, I'm in. R- Richard Donner said about it, we didn't get a word in edgewise. The minute you get around Bill, you're swooning. Everybody is. And it's, a, it's I, I honestly, I mean, I feel like as Venkman, I do get it. But imagining him being that charming that he could convince anyone
0: to just do what he wanted them to do is um, terrifying. Oh, yeah. That's like what, yeah, that's what sociopaths do for sure. Yeah. But, you know, they get a lot of stuff done. Yeah. And uh, when
1: Lee Majors was called up, he said, in a Bill Murray movie, Sure. He said, I didn't know it was going to open the movie. I just got this gun they gave me, and the gun they gave me, I mean, it was so so heavy. It was a lot stronger then, and I could barely hold it up. It was so heavy. It was a real thing. Usually you think they'll give you a rubber one or a plastic one. Some kind of thing they've mocked up, but this was an actual gun. And it was also the actual gun that was used by Jesse Ventura's Blaine in Predator. So
2: we recently did Wizard of the Bruiser on the Predator. Oh, really? And just to give you a little more of a heads up on this gun, Jesse Ventura I had a hell of a time trying to wield it that is a gun that's normally mounted to like a tank so both that is of a giant. That is not meant for a human being to just carry around and use. It is like only meant to be welded to something, and a person's like ha- you know like yeah. I'm that,
0: trying that, to picture it now. I can't. It's, it's like I a to, giant Gatling a gun. It's like yeah. this
2: massive <laughs> tank Gatling gun. It is ludicrous. So that's it's so great. funny that he was complaining about it because Jesse Ventura very similar issues. That's great. So also there were there were these like wild cool cameos from musicians and dancers throughout. You've got what like Paul Schaefer Miles Davis
0: oh yeah that's right have, Paul Schaefer's in it for a second
2: I have to go back and rewatch yep. and look for Miles Davis because they're that's the,
1: they're the like as he's walking by with his younger brother like they're the ones that like they look down upon because they're just like street performers but they're actually all highly acclaimed
0: millionaires musicians yeah
1: yeah, they, they, it was um, session musician Larry Carlton, saxman David Sanborn, jazz icon Miles Davis, and David Letterman's old band leader buddy Paul Shaver. Yeah, that's wild. And also the dancer that he kisses in the end... From 1980 to 1988, there was a group of women that performed in risque costumes to the day's top hits on national television under the title of the Solid Gold Dancers. Now, when, he said, when they're introduced in the movie, I didn't realize that they're a real thing. The yeah. Solid Gold music program was like Soul Train. It was very popular and still maintains a place in pop culture jokes today. But after the show's cancellation in July of 88, however, the dancers were, were disbanded. In fact, their final performance as a group was in Scrooge.
2: Oh, really? Really? I didn't mm-hmm. know that
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they get a kiss from Bill Murray and their
0: areolas are showing
2: yeah and then it's just like and then he's just like hey I know I just kissed this full grown woman on national television but now baby can we get back together and she falls right into his own society I'm just saying it's, it's illogical that's all I'm saying so Scrooge Scrooged Made on a budget of $32 million, filmed over a period of three and a half months, which is actually a pretty tight schedule for a movie, uh, but a pretty big budget for one as well, especially around that time for a comedy. Uh, Donner and Murray clashing on set, as we mentioned before. Murray's improvising a ton of his lines. Donner is uh, just making him play super broad. Murray said, he kept telling me to do things louder, louder, louder. I think he was deaf. And honestly, that note makes a lot of sense because you do get a lot of screaming Murray and then Murray's doing a bit of a Pacino in this movie, I would say.
1: Well, even Bill Murray says about it, we shot a big, long, sloppy movie so there's a great deal of material that didn't even end up in the film. It just didn't work. You tend to forget what was wrong. It's hard. I just figured that anyone who's good could step into this part and have a lot of fun with it. It's sort of a wicked character. The idea of making a funny Scrooge was an inspired touch. That's what was appealing to me about it. Mm -hmm. So they just kept shooting which I think why, even though it was a three-month-long shoot, it, everyone in it said that it seemed to go by lightning
2: fast, mm. and it's because they were all over the place. Murray described the experience as, quote, a fair amount of misery. Uh, he described the set as, quote, dusty, smelly, and smoky. We mentioned before he felt very alone, essentially with such a giant amount of people in this film, such a huge cast. He's getting to work with people for, like, two days at a time, and then they go away, and he's still there. And he, had, he felt very lonely, he also oh, claimed to have boo-hoo. coughed up blood due to the fake snow they were using. Yikes. Yikes.
0: <laughs> Why would that make him cough up blood? I don't know. Maybe
2: because of whatever was in the atmosphere. Or maybe it was it just in. so
0: dry, especially because I feel like there was a lot maybe. of yeah. um,
1: fog. What is it? Like a fog machine running, which does yeah.
2: really uh, screw up your throat. But Richard Donner had this to say about the final scene of the movie. He said, on the last take, I saw something happen to Billy. He became
1: an An actor.
2: actor. (laughs)
1: It's just, I mean, that was a little much, but I did like right before he had said that, that he had always had, he said, I always had my car Parked facing the gate Because he was ready He said when Bill Murray Played off that last scene In the way he did I felt confident And slightly insecure But I felt confident That we had accomplished What we wanted Because he was joking As if like He was already Always ready to Just run out of there Yeah
2: Yeah I uh, wanted to find more On the special effects makeup Because I think My favorite thing About this film In hindsight now Besides Carol Kane I think she might be Like my favorite thing About the movie But Mm -hmm. uh, That awesome ass makeup and, spe- and uh, so especially good. death when he opens the mm-hmm. thing and the the b- pulsing bodies oh, eat, you, that, little...
0: that also was terrifying as a game. yes yeah.
2: so, so, well, like <laughs> <Okay>. i said <laughs> yeah. when death it got, still is I, o- yeah. I only ever watched the first two-thirds of that movie because of death that and the
1: with the the scrape them off clans you want to save play. somebody and then save being yourself. in and then <laughs> the, being
0: in the coffin too was yeah. very fr- it's oh frightening it's still frightening to me it is still frightening existential yeah. Existential dread. <laughs> oh,
2: but... <laughs> Follow me, class. Existential, existential dread. dread. kindergarten's existential
1: dread. I did want to bring up because I it really this blew my mind because I had no idea. Then apparently, it's like a, a Jackie, where have you been, kind of thing. Wow. When Jackie. Bill Murray is hallucinating that the waiter is on fire in the in mm-hmm. the restaurant scene, he runs up to him, he dumps a bucket of water on him, and then he says, "I'm sorry, you know, I thought you were Richard Pryor." I didn't know what that meant, which apparently I am the
2: dumb one. Because in 1980. I kinda, that was, I I even knew this and that was kind of lost on me in that moment. And
1: after, so Richard Pryor had been freebasing and he poured 151 proof Rum all over his body And he lit himself on fire And he ran through his neighborhood Pryor suffered second And third degree burns The LA Times review Points out how cruel The line is Because director Richard Donner Worked with Pryor After the incident In the toy While it's a mean joke Poking fun at the Horrific incident Wasn't uncommon In the 80s Well he
0: also made fun Of himself about it That's
1: a thing I mean
0: he also had A whole bit about Like making fun of himself It's Bill Murray And this was years before I don't think Richard Pryor Would care Not at all. He would love it. No. Yeah. Also, um, I think that right after that. When he's leaving that scene, I think that fall he has in the water is real, and it looks great.
1: It yeah, is real. He, it good. was complete. It, it was real, and that's why they kept it in because it
2: looks so good. <laughs> it's very funny. So the special effects makeup was created by a married couple. Oh my god, oh. I love marriage. Barry and Thomas Berman. They both got into the biz separately. With Barry starting out on such films as I love this the cult classic The Adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai Across the Eighth Dimension. God, which I is love the best. That's a movie I would love to sure. find out about. And, yeah and Thomas having done Halloween 3 Season of the Witch oh my god oh my I god. Love, oh my among god. others uh, it, it looks like just b- based on what I could glean from IMDB that maybe they met on a horror film called Cat People in 1982 uh, and that I after that Cat they People. did uh, Howard the Duck they did The Goonies and these are some really yes. good really good ones right uh, and they did those together before doing Scrooge that's probably how they got in with Donna was through The Goonies and most notably the, are the makeup jobs on the boss, uh, Lou Hayward, mm-hmm. as well as, of course, the tortured torso of the Ghost of Christmas Future. Then uh, we already mentioned that they lost to Beetlejuice for the Academy Awards. But speaking of Beetlejuice, the soundtrack, the, or at least the film's score, was done by Danny Elfman. Uh, And I was like Oh I'll give a little Overview of Danny Elfman And then I'm like That'll never happen Because he's done Over 100 (laughs) feature film scores And uh, Everyone knows Danny Elfman Yeah everyone knows Danny Elfman Started out on Oingo Boingo But I, I forget Until you look at his IMDb And everything like just how prolific of a career he's had It's insane. Yeah. But
1: also the soundtrack for Scrooge wasn't released until 2011, which uh, it makes so much sense <laughs> because Ed was so excited. Ed Larson of the brighter side because he had found a vinyl copy <laughs> yeah. of the Scrooge soundtrack, but it didn't have the la 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 la
0: la la yeah. la la. Like la, 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 all la, of the things that, that are stuff.
1: quintessential Scrooge. Yeah. And it's because the the soundtrack wasn't released until twenty eleven. Yeah. So the album when when it was released was only it was limited to just three thousand copies and it had all thirty four of the tracks from the film. Hell yeah. Very cool. Did you
0: guys ever see The Forbidden Zone?
1: Yes. 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 Boingo Boingo? Yeah. Yes.
0: That's one of uh Danny Elfman's first scores. That so makes a lot
1: good. of sense. Yeah. It's fucking weird. Yeah. So again, also just... shows of why we love Scrooge so much. Yeah, yeah
2: don't watch that movie sober. Like, no. Be on something. Be prepared that it's a little uncomfortable. Oh, yes. yeah. Uh, but I do love, and I, I, I love this for a couple reasons, Put a Little Love in Your Heart is a great song. And I also love that in the lyrics there's nothing about the holidays, and yet now it's synonymous with the holidays because of Scrooge. Uh, That was originally recorded by Jackie DeShannon. That's my name. Who composed it with her brother, Randy (laughs) Myers.
1: Back in 1968,
2: Ah, it was a big hit for her. She also, her other big hit was What the World Needs Now is Love. Mm -hmm. But this was not performed by her in Scrooge. It was done by, I didn't know this, Al Green. Of of course tired of being alone and all this other fame and Annie Lennox walking on broken glass ass Annie Lennox so I thought that was fun yes (laughs) fun all right that's now we're done with music corner music corner's
1: over good what are we entering into now <laughs> well all
2: i have left is just a little bit about its release and its criticism and oh its then we
1: should success. talk at least a little bit we have to we touched so on this the earlier guts. so just another little a couple tidbits that i wanted to share about the movie so three of bill murray's eight siblings are in the film yes. so john plays frank's brother james joel who plays a guest at the party and brian doyle Uh, Murray, who I just he's in a million things. He's amazing. Who plays young Frank's disgruntled father. You're only four.
0: You're only four.
1: (laughs) Which, again, I would also love to grab that piece of veal. Now, Joel Murray said about the experience, yeah, that was a weird weekday one February. February 29th in fact, where all four Murray brothers worked on the same picture. Brian was the father in a flashback. Johnny played a brother and I'd auditioned for it and got the little part at the party which I think is kind of funny because he still had to audition, yeah, to, audition. Yeah. to be the almost unspeaking part <laughs> at the party and it was kind of funny because Johnny and I are doing a scene with our brother Bill but none of us can acknowledge each other because he's a ghost so that was kind of weird it was nice to get to work with Billy but I can't see or hear him and he can see and hear me but he can't communicate with me and well yeah it was just awkward which I imagine was, they were probably so excited to be in something with their now very famous brother but they couldn't talk to each other in the scene so they couldn't even bounce off each other and use the sibling bounce off, which is, I imagine that would probably hurt me as well. of respect, But very
0: endearing to know in the in the age that we know all facts about movies now, to know that all of his brothers are in it. you're it's like, kind I of that's amazing. his brother! Cute. So cute. cute!
1: And something that I actually didn't realize until last year is that I kept seeing The free South Africa posters. Right. And it's in it. So Keith Herring. Keith Haring's free South Africa posters is in it a couple of times. Haring was one of the 80s most famous artists and created the art to protest apartheid in South Africa, which was a cause-growing concern in America. Director Richard Donner included the artwork in his next film, Lethal Weapon 2, another film that takes place at Christmas. Mm. Mm. So Richard Donner, it was a big thing that Richard Donner believed in, and so he wanted to be able to get the message across, and he used the medium that he
0: could, and I thought that
2: was really fucking
0: cool. Guys, I'm gonna (laughs) go ahead and put this out there. I also think apartheid's bad.
2: Yeah. Yes. So, but I mean, like, I saw 90 Day Fiancé. It's like kind of okay,
0: right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> you know, it just <laughs> depends. I guess it just depends on how you feel about it. <laughs> and what I do love is that the last monologue, which we didn't get into too hard, but it was very upsetting because it was supposed to be very short. And Bill Murray kept talking. Uh, and while it's
0: so he kept talking,
2: <laughs> it, goes it's so it goes so long. I love it. I do It's just so I love it. But now um, And he just sounds like He does sound like a, a Bill Murray the man Has become unhinged
1: So Bill Murray was worried <laughs> He wouldn't be able To pull it off So he wound up Improvising most of it The final scene Is Frank Cross Going off in an impassioned rant About the holiday season Which verges on The hysterical After the take Michael O'Donohue Which is, we know is the Is the writer Snarled what the fuck was that? The Reverend Jim Jones hour? <laughs> and then he punches Mitch Glazer in the arm really hard. He was so angry, and then he just walks out and almost wouldn't come back on the set. <laughs> he was so mad about it, and so he at least hoped that it was going to be cut down in post, and this is what we will get to in the, the reception and the criticism of it. It was not. And that is part of the reason why Michael O'Donohue refers to Scrooge's final project as a piece of unadulterated, unmitigated shit. I've seen that picture once and I'll (laughs)
2: never see it again. (laughs) you dude (laughs) that's what he had to say about also Roger (laughs) Ebert had this to say Jackie about your favorite Christmas movie it was one of the most disquieting unsettling films to come along in quite some time and saying that it it portrays pain and anger more than comedy
1: (laughs) and what I love is that so Bill Murray was so upset about Roger Ebert's one star review of Scrooge that he got an interview with him and Bill Murray says well how do you plan to explain your one star review of Scrooged. (laughs) And Roger Ebert replies, I was hoping it wouldn't come up. Bill Murray says, it wasn't that bad. It had some good stuff in it. Watch it on video and you'll see. And he says, it just didn't work for me. And then Bill Murray says, I thought maybe it had some inside information, you know, about an unhappy set or something. And then Roger Ebert said, no, it just didn't seem that funny. Oof. Mm -hmm. Fuck you. You
0: I mean, yes, that one star is bullshit, but also you can't ask your critics to tell you Demand why they didn't like no, it No he didn't like the
2: movie And he's one of the He's the biggest critic That's just how it is So we talk about this Like it's uh, Was some big disaster But it was the highest Earning film the weekend Of it's release Yeah over better It than made 60 million Yeah, yeah. It, it beat out Land Before Time It beat out Oliver and Company like, fuck
0: Oliver Although they did, I hope they, he's still an
2: orphan They came out the week before Well <laughs> and then the parents died That's a lot of dead parents That's a uh, lot of dead and, parents In uh, those two cartoon movies And uh, yeah it, But it, yes Over time it becomes is a cult classic. It's now staple for of television. Nah, I love yacht.
1: it. I, but I think what is very interesting, so in an attempt to recapture the attention of Ghostbusters fans, the studio referenced the movie in Scrooge's marketing materials, most notably with its tagline, Bill Murray is back among the ghosts mm-hmm. only this time it's three against one mm-hmm. <laughs> which fuck Jesus that's, the that's tactic probably didn't get the studio the exact results it was looking for while Ghostbusters was the, was the second highest grossing film of 1984 Scrooge made about a quarter of that and it was only the 13th highest grossing film of 1988 ah. So if they eventually change the line to Frank Cross's line, now more than ever, it's time to remember the true meaning of Christmas. That's also not a good time. No, it? it's no. not.
2: So can I throw this out as maybe uh, a possible reason for why you do love it as much as you do, and why it is indeed a fantastic Christmas movie? Because it's
1: freaking sirs? This is what Whitney. I'm Pastorek,
2: sorry, <laughs> That hurt me. <laughs> that hurt me
1: to say more than hurt you to hear.
2: <laughs> because it's Ur- Ursum, Ursamurder. Let me try it. Because it's... Hey, no, you need more R in it. More
1: R. Ursum. Ursum. There it is. <laughs> Natalie? Ermigerd.
2: Oh <my> <laughs> you <laughs> say, remember, oh my god, I'm in the Adams family.
0: <laughs> oh my god. I'm in the Ursum family. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, that's it. Oh, it's right. What are you doing in here? Oh, no, you're. I mean, no, it's you swigali- their- Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's not uh, smagma. smagma. Whitney Pastrek of the Whitney, Inter- <laughs> 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 Whitney Pastorek of Entertainment Weekly had this to say, and I think this maybe's just say true or false at the end if this is what I think is what why you love it so much. Scrooge is the perfect holiday movie for the bitter, reluctant, closet Christmas lovers. Ouch. <laughs> False. What? Actually, I think think it is true. Because I think as much, you know, in a lot of ways, Jackie's like, uh, you know, the Zabrowski siblings are very much like- false of Zabrowski. Are like, fuck Christmas in a lot of ways. But I think deep down, they truly do love the holiday. And this is the kind of movie that makes it palatable.
0: I didn't know it was deep down a secret that you liked Christmas. I mean, I I wrestle. I wrestle with it. They wrestle with it. Well, okay, I would say, okay, I would agree that I am also somebody who wrestles with it. Right. I like certain aspects of Christmas. Also, very traumatized by Christmas in many ways. So, okay. All right. All right. Fine. That's like a in between true and false. Right? Yeah. It's so a, that's why
1: trolls. It was another another Oh my god, you like <laughs> oh got like my quote. I love another criticism <laughs> or, or another review I had read, it said the film initially drew criticism for its bitter and sardonic interpretation of a genre which usually demonstrated nothing less than total earnestness and wholehearted joy. In many ways, Scrooged is a Christmas film for people who hate Christmas yeah. films. And that is another it's like uh, you're right. And so if you haven't seen Scrooged Please give it a watch I really think I mean I hope that you like it And I I understand if you don't I guess But still I don't is, I don't understand yeah. I guess I, I don't I think
2: even if you don't like it It's still a fascinating watch If that makes sense Like you're still gonna have a good time It's a time capsule You're not gonna be bored I love you this movie I mean? so
0: yeah. much I don't Grasp Not
2: like People it. not liking it I don't I get it I get it
0: it, but it
1: is is—it is a little rushed, and I, th- I do think a lot of the criticism say, <sighs> says that it's rushed towards the end, but it's because they had filmed so much, and that they were going up against, like, the directors, the writers, the studio, guys are pushing all me into wanted a corner. different things. Pushing yeah. me in a corner. You it's know like what happens bad, when you push into a corner? Edit. What happens? You start to kick? Yeah. Ow!
2: Ow! 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 She's you can hardly ow. see them
1: nipples. Ow! Um, was I'll that show good you acting? Whole nipples. No, don't. It's, it's a bad movie. You're ow! My sister. Uh, um, also, Jack McGee ad-libbed that line. You can hardly see. Them I don't nipples. want any more facts. Oh, I don't need any more screws. That back. was my fact. That was Ooh, my last
0: that fact. That was an ad. See, all the best catch lines <laughs> in movies are always ad-libs. That also too,
1: where I remember my mom used to joke around about stapling things to the guinea pig because of the movie. <laughs> because when he's trying to put the antlers on the mouse, and he's like, he's like, I don't know, staple. <laughs> 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 I've been, mean, oh, Karen Allen, you're yeah. better than him. You
2: yeah. can't, you should
0: Oh, she definitely be was dude. better than him. Yeah. yeah. So but much That was
1: better. all we got as women in the
2: 80s. Right. That's all we got as women in the That's 80s. That's all we got.
1: But you know what? I do want to, I, I remember that is where I heard about, this movie is where I heard about, um, now I can thinking, think it, what is it, the, fu- the, the fuck positions.
2: Uh, Harry Carrey, the Kama Sutra. Sutra. Uh-huh. Sutra. Yeah, oh, Harry, Harry is... would be a very <laughs> setting sex
0: position. position. <laughs> yeah.
1: um, that's where I heard about Kama Sutra for the first time. And also, how great is that now as an adult looking at that man, that Christmas Eve, where you guys, you're in a bath, surrounded by candles, smoking a joint, and then you get out, you give a dumb little presence, and then you fuck for the rest of the night? Merry fucking Christmas! Yeah. I mean, that is the one you can never beat. Yeah, the right. one for all the stupid kids show up. Right. That that's is the, the thing. fun Christmas. Yeah. Oh, Lumpy! I think Lumpy is well, still here, very cute. Rob, he had people call him Mr. Cross. <laughs> oh, you're scary! We packed her into a corner. Oh, oh. Um, this was great. I <laughs> yeah. love this Christmas movie, <laughs> and I hope that you guys enjoy your holiday week this week and uh, watch Scrooge. Let us know what you think about it, and if you love it as much as we love it, and if you um, agree with us that it is all of us, all three of us, and our stance here at page seven that it is the best Christmas movie of all time and yeah and,
0: yeah, and it is uh, totally. it's a little if you have kids you might want to watch it before you show the kids because there's some stuff in it you oh, should yeah. watch it before D- the don't kids
2: don't show kids at all the, the movie ever but I at mean, the same time I watched it, as a let, them it let them sneak like, it my parents
0: didn't like monitor me at all. no yeah, yeah. I
2: wasn't monitored either we were fine yeah and we yeah, were yeah. scared but we were fine well because I don't have a, a sign off catchphrase I'll just say Scraw. I'm holding screescraw oh
1: that's cute yeah Natalie I'm again. I'm Smigeldon You realize you have to do this for
2: the rest every and sign off now Every single
1: time And I'm Jackie Razzie. I hope you guys have a great holiday We love you and we'll talk to you soon
0: Maybells Maybells You're gonna get
1: slay
2: This show is made possible by listeners like you Thanks to our ad sponsors You can support our shows by supporting them For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's
1: right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit CARON.org
0: slash lost. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day.